Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Strike 3 Podcast, and Happy New Year, everybody. Today's guest has been coaching fitness for over a decade and is a current CrossFit Level 2 trainer. He's helped clients drop hundreds of pounds and build strength at the same time. He's also no stranger to adversity. However, he keeps improvising, adapting, and overcoming with a great attitude. Please help me welcome to the show, owner of Max Athletic out of Stockton, California, Pat Mackinich. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Center. Wait, 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 CB. Yeah? That's not us, man. That's another show. Well, there we go. From underneath the milk crate in Northern California, it's Strike Three with CB, Enoch, and Trav. And here are your hosts, Colin Brown, Eric Nakagawa, and Travis Witt. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Strike Three Podcast. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Man, geez, I'm telling you, didn't 2020 feel like a colonoscopy you didn't ask for? <laughs> Is there any other kind? I, right. <laughs> there you go. You got a point. Just, it, was, it was absolutely horrible. I mean, I can't even, this the stuff that happened last year, it was just something you never imagine that you'll actually go through and live through. Uh, not only from a medical point of view, but uh, from a financial point of view for everybody. And it was just an absolute train wreck. So thank God we're out of that crap. Absolutely. So today, I'm CB, by the way. And, I, and I'm Enoch. And, and Trav uh, got an assignment today. So today's guest is a good friend of mine, expert in his own right in his field of uh, physical fitness, Pat Mackinich. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, Pat. What is up? Well, the reason why we have Pat on the show today is we are not dovetailing so much as uh, changing our focus from going from in the beginning in our first season, we went over rules and talking to coordinators and whatnot like that for, uh, for baseball, going to uh, physical fitness uh, for umpires. And this is part of our show where it doesn't concentrate necessarily on the NCAA uh, so much as it does uh, overall uh, umpire well-being, regardless if you do Little League, regardless if you do high school, college, or even pro for that matter. Pat, uh, let's uh, dive right in. Tell us um, where you're originally from. So uh, I was born in Lodi, California, in a small hospital that no longer exists. Then I spent most of my childhood bouncing back and forth between Lodi and Stockton, but I currently live in Stockton, California. So Pat, tell us, uh, what was high school like for you? Oh man, so it's kind of funny coming from uh, the personal trainer, but when I was going into high school, uh, I was literally overweight and very weak. Um, at that time, I had not really found any sort of fitness or, or activity other than drinking more soda than any human should reasonably and then not being very active. But uh, I realized that growing up with the friends that I had that 
I was quite the smack talker and I was going into high school realizing I didn't have a single push-up. And I was like, man, I'm the fat weak kid. So I know there's going to be some kids out there that are going to, you know, talk a little smack and I'll probably talk some smack back, but I won't be able to actually defend myself. So I was like, man, I need to, I need to fix this. So uh, I spent most of my high school career trying to at least be like the big strong guy versus just the big guy that can't back up all the smack he's talking. I, I spent a lot of that time actually finding a love for, for fitness and trying to improve all that. That's pretty good. Come that realization at such a young age. I mean, how did you start doing it? Did you just start, you know, in the gym and working out to start, you know, trying stuff at home? Yeah, it, uh, it started out at home. So we had this really janky water heater that took forever for like the shower to warm up. So what I, I started doing, because I couldn't do a full push-up, um, I would go take my shower every day. And um, while I was waiting for the water to get warm, I would do like counter push-ups, which is a way of scaling a push-up when you don't actually have a full push-up. So I would just do as many as I could until you know my arms would say no more. And started off with like maybe five or 10 and then just after a while, you just start doing a ton of them just because it's it every day. And then from there, it transitioned into, you know, other aspects of it. And I think for Christmas, um, I had asked my father and he got me this uh, weight set. It had like a, an adjustable bench and a bar and some weights on it. And then I just use that thing. I still have it. It's actually like out in my backyard uh, getting rained on as we speak. Nice. Keeping it for nostalgic purposes. <laughs> Yeah, like every time I go to to get rid of it, well, it has the the leg attachment, which I love to use, but because it's all the way in the backyard, I never go use it. So it's that hard, like, man, I should get rid of it because I never use it and it's big and bulky, but at the same time, I want the leg attachment thing. So <laughs> it's just in the back 40. Uh, you're like the rest of us then. <laughs> yes, yeah. So when you started, um, how much did you weigh? I uh, believe my heaviest was 265. And and how tall are you? <laughs> uh, I am officially on the welcoming board to the Shire. So um, <laughs> I bring people in, you know, do the whole Lollipop Guild song. Um, you know, I'm going to be vague on that because everybody asked me and I like playing around with how tall I am. Let's just say for a CrossFitter, I'm average height. And then you can go into okay. all the CrossFit short jokes <laughs> you want. I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to borrow that, just so you know. <laughs> Perfect. Um, can you tell me, uh, in, in reading your bio, uh, I want to know what led to you breaking your uh, school's bench press record, and does it still stand? Oh, man. Really, I think a lot of this came from um, my dad, you know, would, would do some some curls and stuff in in the yard and just kind of like looking up to him I always kind of wanted to best my old man so I asked him one day hey you know what's your best bench press and I forget what he told me I think it was like 250 or something like that and I was like man I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that you know I'm gonna one-up you old man and then I started just getting really big into the bench you know my whole thing of I want to be at least the the strong big guy so I can talk all the smack I want and don't have to get worried about being put in a trash can for it the first time I got to the weightlifting room in high school, they had this plaque. And I believe it was in commemoration of somebody who had, I forget the guy's name, which is terrible of me, had set the bench press record that had been longstanding, I think 20 years at that point at like 
320 something. So I was like, that's a goal. Uh, I think I could do that. And I just, you know, every day worked at it. So I eventually broke it and set it at 365 uh, at a body weight of 190. And it stood for one week, one glorious week until this ginormous Samoan kid beat me by five pounds. He also ended up later playing in the NFL. So I don't feel too bad about that. That's not too bad. I mean, shoot, someone's going to break your record. At least it's somebody who's in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It, it was hilarious because uh, the, the school that I had at the time, they would, uh, they would give you these shirts in recognition of, you know, whatever uh, weight club that you were in. And we're standing in line. And he was, like, talking all this smack to me about, you know, well, I beat you. I was like, bro, but by five pounds. And how much do you weigh? You weigh, like, three, three something? You know, come on. So I just, I, you know gave him a really hard time about that and he just kind of shook his head like yeah well you know it is what it is it's like you could have done better i expect better from you but then again <laughs> you know when, when you got the samoan yeah when you got the samoan jeans and you know you're ginormous it's like yeah okay cool <laughs> i'll uh <laughs> i'll just do my my uh my welcome to the shire dance and you know it is what it is so you went from 265 you said you got down to 190 by the time that you set the bench record. Did you fall any further? I did. Um, at some point, I decided I would like to go into law enforcement. And I knew there was some physical fitness standards that I had to meet. So, And just the, the whole concept of having that command presence already, you know, not being very you know, physically tall and, and a commanding figure, I wanted to at least look my best to be able to uh, command uh, and, and not have so many people test you. So in preparation for all of that, I ended up dropping down to about 152, I believe. Now, what's your current weight? My current weight, I am hovering around 180 to 185, depending upon how hard I go on the weekend. So you mentioned law enforcement. So how did you fall into that? What led you down that path? It was a, always a question I never had an answer to in high school when you'd have to go meet with the guidance counselor and they'd say, hey, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And apparently fire truck or Tyrannosaurus Rex wasn't acceptable answers. You know, so I never, I never had a good answer for them, but the question stuck with me and I'm a little bit thick scold, so uh, I'm not the quickest on the uptake, but I just started noticing in my life I just always ended up being in this role of helping others. And it seemed to be something that made me feel good. I would always get voted on to things like, uh, you know, kind of when other students could come talk to another student versus like a counselor, I would always get like nominated for that stuff. And people like peer support. Like, yeah, there we go. Okay. For somebody who speaks English as a first language, I'm terrible at it sometimes. You know, just being always asked to do like peer support and stuff like that. I was like, you know what, maybe I should help people. And the thing that stood out to me was law enforcement, right? Cause that's the overall idea behind them is to help people in need. So I decided to go down that route. Plus it's not like a, an office cubicle job. So I can get out and drive real fast and help people and have excitement. Now, do you have any family members there in law enforcement? Uh, I do. Um, 
I have a brother-in-law who is retired in law enforcement. Then I have a bunch of buddies that are in law enforcement. And I know I have a bunch of family members that are in nursing. So that's kind of in the, the first responders helping, um, helping other people sort of category. But touch back on one thing you mentioned along the way, saying in your idea that you may want to join the police force and go to academy, you said something about being having an air of authority, which... You know, as a sports official, that's one thing we want to make sure that we can always carry an air of authority w without coming off as, you know, too cocky or something like that. But there is something like that. And so I think you, one of the things you were looking at is being able to be, since you're not taught, you're not, not a 6'4 imposing guy, you got to figure be as yeah. fit as possible to try to bring that, to help bring about that image, right? Absolutely. And being, being on the shorter side of life all my life, it was all, I've always noticed that you know, the big tall guys are like, no, I'm going to do and, you know, do what I want and impose this on you. And if you're little, you either have to like back it up or you just kind of go, yeah, sure. So getting into law enforcement, there's going to be all sorts of people that are going to look at you, size you up and like, I think I could take this guy. I don't need to listen to him, even though he is an authority figure. So just to, to your point, looking more of a part and at least giving some, um, you know, like a visual of maybe this isn't the guy I want to go wrestle with right now. Maybe I should just actually talk to him and we can resolve this with words versus I think I can take him. I just kind of already saw that being an issue and just wanted to, to cut that off at the path. Hey, I agree with that. Did you have a lot of support from uh, family and friends as you were wanting to go to the academy? Uh, no, not really. I don't think I really told anybody about it I just uh I made up my mind that that's what I wanted to do I uh <laughs> I bought the world's cheapest exercise bike uh set it up in my room and would just spend hours on it and um uh, every time the test would come up I would go take the test and I failed the test the entrance test like three times you know using using the English language to describe stuff is a little bit of a challenge for me at least it was until I got schooled up on it and I just kept like taking the test and uh, eventually they slipped up and let me in. And then it was just off to the races. It was just like, <laughs> by the way, I'm doing this thing now. What were the circumstances that surrounded you uh, being hit by a car? <laughs> yeah. So um, I had graduated from the police academy and about two months later, I actually had um, an interview for Stockton PD. And at the time, I just had uh, my motorcycle was the only way I, I got around. So luckily, I decided to wear my full face helmet that day. It was a little bit chilly. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wear the full face. I was going in to, to my interview and a lady ran a red light. And I essentially put my head through her windshield, put my knee through her wheel well and uh, bounced off her car and landed in the, the fetal position. <laughs> Uh, which was fun because I'm in downtown Stockton. I'm laying on the ground in the middle of this intersection and I see these scruffy dudes running up on me and I just made peace with, yeah, I'm going to get robbed. <laughs> as long as they don't touch my knee, I'm fine. They could have it. They ended up being undercover cops and they had heard over the radio that there was a motorcycle versus vehicle. And they told me, dude, we only came so quickly because we wanted to see the carnage, but we're glad you're okay. <laughs> so i am i'm laying on my oh. back holding my knee 
because it's just too painful to do anything with. I was like, well, since you're being so helpful, can you slide my helmet under my knee so I don't have to hold like this crunch position the entire time? And then they hung out with me until the ambulance oh. got there. The, uh, when the paramedics got there, funny enough, you know, uh, and I'm sure Travis could, could tell you about all the times they take the, the big scissors and cut through people's like pants and boots and stuff. I had spent so much time polishing my boots in the academy when they came to, to cut my boots. I was like, no, they have a side zipper. I will unzip them. You're not cutting my boots. So <laughs> I made the paramedics stand down and took off my boots. I was like, okay, there. Now you can, you, you can cut my, my suit pants, all that stuff. Hard work polishing shoes. I can tell you that by uh, how often I have to polish my plate shoes. Oh yeah, and inevitably they get stepped on the first game after I polish them too. So, <laughs> of course, when you got that nice mirror finish, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's only us can get stepped on by the catcher. So, yeah, it's nice to have the right right equipment. Yeah, one of my my things just for for keeping my suit real nice is I had all this big winter uh over protective gear on which actually saved quite a bit I only had you know other than the knee being really jacked up in uh and the bruising um I just had a little bit of road rash on my side where I slid because that protective gear did such a fantastic job of providing that buffer between you know me and the asphalt so mm -hmm. it's better you know, fabric better leave fabric than skin that's that's yeah no vouch for that and so how did that uh incident affect your future plans oh man well um, you were late for the interview <laughs> yes yeah and I, I didn't even call them and let them know i was just i wrote that one off like i'm a no show that's fine but um i spent the better part of a year rehabbing uh, my knee and getting my ability to like run and squat and do essential human movements back um settling all the medical debt and and bills for that because you literally can't go through um law enforcement and get accepted in with large amounts of debt um it's just one of the criteria they look for and by the time i came out the other end of that um i was working two jobs just to pay off everything and then i got into doing loss prevention and um finally got to a point where i started to, to apply again but we hit a really bad recession and just nobody was hiring. For years I tried and wasn't getting any any traction with it. So I decided to help people in another route. So with all the rehabbing myself and everything, I just started seriously hosting workouts in my backyard and just inviting friends over and just seeing that I can have an impact on their lives as well. It definitely changed my trajectory because who knows, I could have nailed that interview and I could have been with uh, with Stockton P, but here I am as an entrepreneur um, helping people through fitness. What made you decide to change from just the stuff in your backyard uh, with friends to taking it to the next level? <laughs> you know, the saying, knowledge is power. I, uh, I had, you know, I, I always really loved to do the best job possible so I would do really really good and then I would get these uh these quarterly reviews or annual reviews where they're like man you knocked it out of the park we're going to give you a 13 cent raise <laughs> so I was like well I know I can get more money for continuing education so I took a business class 
And unfortunately, the business class uh, illuminated the process for me where I was working 40 hours a week, or uh, actually 60 hours a week, including uh, driving, only getting paid for 40. I would do the best possible job I could, and I would get like 13 cents a year versus my friends just started donating money to me for training. And after a while, it was like, well, I'm not really helping anybody doing loss prevention. I'm working my tail off and I'm barely getting compensated for it in a fair fashion. However, outside of this, I'm doing something that I really love. I'm helping people and they're actually showing me that there's value in this and they're giving me money. And after a while, I was like, wow, I'm almost making about a third of my paycheck uh, from this corporate gig just on the side. So it just kind of became this, a business decision of, okay, well, where should I put the majority of my effort? And do I really want to spend the next 30, 40 years of my life doing something that doesn't add to me as a human being and make me feel good and leave a legacy versus something that will make me feel good? I will leave a legacy and I will ultimately accomplish the goal of helping people. Well, it's nice when the math and the heart line up. When you decide to become an entrepreneur, was it a specific, was it a CrossFit gym? So kind of how I fell into that was, um, you know, tying back to the, the accident and, and just, you know, working the two jobs that started to put on a lot of weight again. And of course, that's one of those steps that you don't realize it's happening until somebody, literally a friend, like, you know, pokes you in the belly is like, Hey, you're getting a little tubby again. And you're like, what are you talking about? I just buy bigger pants because I needed new pants. Step on the scale and go, Oh man, no, I am getting tubby again. So I started doing all the stuff that I'd done before to originally lose the weight, but I'm always looking at new, new ways of doing things. So I just remember finding CrossFit.com at the time. And my, my serious uh, first response to it was I kind of like scoffed at it and was like, what is this? But I noticed they would have the workout of the day. And then in, in the comments, people from all over the world were going on there and posting like, Hey, you know, 52 male, uh, this is my height, this is my weight, and this is what I did the workout in. It's like, I, I bet you I could beat you guys. So I just made up my mind, hey, whatever the next workout is, and I believe it was on like a Thursday, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to beat these people. First workout ever was terrible. It was like 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and like 300 air squats. So I did it. I went, I marched out into my backyard, and I did this thing. I literally did my pull-ups on like a tree, set the timer, marched back in, logged into the comments, furious on my keyboard about to, you know, blast all these people down. And it took me like an hour and 38 minutes. I was watching soccer moms posts like, yeah, wasn't really feeling it today. Uh, you know, 22 minutes and some change. Uh, you know, these 43 year old dudes like, yeah, I did heavy back spots yesterday. My legs were fried. It only took me like 16 minutes. And I was like, oh man, I'm doing the John Wayne walk for like a week because my legs are so wrecked. <laughs> so I just, I, I kept at it and it just ended up being something that was so uh, unique at the time and the variety was there and it, it really pulled me in because it wasn't something that I could easily master um, and it was always asking new things of me. So I just started inviting my friends over, like, check this out. And we would do CrossFit in my garage or in my backyard um, and then, you know, doing the business class and everything, realizing that it doesn't take much to start a CrossFit gym, to start a traditional gym as we, we would think about it, like an in-shape or something, essentially what you're doing there 
is you have to get this big loan or start off with a ton of cash. And then you, you go buy a large space, you buy a ton of equipment, and then you burn through money and uh, try to get in enough members to where you can not only pay off those loans that you have, but that you can actually start making a profit. CrossFit was like, go get a small warehouse space, you know, maybe 600 a month, get some very cheap functional equipment, and you can get world-class fitness results. And the big thing was they provided a lot of teaching instead of, um, instead of just like, hey, you know, jump on the machine and do the thing. It was, let's show you how to do this stuff and let's work on skills. So that just kind of added in the teaching element of it, which just, I, I took to like a duck to water. So um, it was just a nice, easy on-ramp into the fitness world for me. That makes sense. If I go down to, uh, well, uh, you know, 24-hour fitness, which is in bankruptcy right now, you know, all the equipment that they have there and all the, you know, the nice shiny spaces they have to work out in and the big shiny room with the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's quite, an, quite a capital outlay they, they put just to start out. Yeah, and the thing is, um, and I hear this from people all the time, like, hey, I got this, you know, $20, $10 a month membership, but I don't know what to do. There's all these machines, but I don't know how to use them. And then the other issue with the machines is they um, they try to take humanity at an average. So they're like, hey, what's the average height of a male in America? And it's about 5'8". Okay, what's the average weight? And then they set this stuff up for the average, but the way averages work, very few people will actually fit the average. People are generally on, on either side of it. So the machines don't provide the best the best actual experience for the end user because unless you're the average person that that machine was designed for it's going to be a little bit funky and especially when you don't have anybody there to to guide you through it like hey this is how many sets you should do this is how many reps this is the weight selection yeah this machine is not working the best for you because you're outside of the the tolerance that it was designed for so maybe we can attack this with a functional movement or or using a dumbbell or a barbell um, it just becomes a bit of a disaster. And I think a lot of people just get overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. And then they just jump on like the exercise bike. And then they just spin for 30, 40 minutes, watch a TV show. And then like, I don't know, kind of I'll just, I'll cash out. And because, you know, the way a lot of the bigger gyms are set up uh, for their business model is we'll charge so little, we'll oversell. And then it's just, you forget about it, you know? I'm sure there's a bunch of things right now that are debiting from my account for 10 to $20 that I've forgotten all about. So it's not even worth me going on and looking and canceling that stuff. It's just, yeah, it's there. It's nice. If I need it, I can have access to it, but do I really use it? Am I really benefiting from it? And, uh, and CrossFit was completely different from that. It was, yeah, we're going to charge a premium, but you're going to get a lot of coaching, a lot of personal interaction, um, a lot of teaching, and then we're going to come up with these really fun workouts. And as you guys know, in sports, it's always much more fun to suffer with a group of people other than just suffering by yourself. Yeah, I'm always amazed at marathoners that by themselves. It's like, Whoa. Yeah, it takes a special type of person to do that. It really does. I'm not a huge fan of, of running personally just because I'm built to lift heavy things. But I do it occasionally. And I know enough, I'm stubborn enough to where I can do these, these longer events, but I don't find that like enjoyment 
that these marathoners do. So that's why I say like it takes a special type of person that, man, if that's your thing and and that checks the boxes for you, my hat's off to you. But that's that's a lot of mental toughness to put in the miles every week to uh, to be able to be competitive in that world. Um, so I'm thinking CrossFit, j- jumping subject around back and forth. Um, you can get a chance to actually tailor the workout more to the individual rather than the generic going to do the circuit routine through the through the weight room. Yeah, so that was one of the things that that stood out to me was um, really CrossFit is as good as the coaches. A really good coach can tailor it the the general workout of the day to any fitness level, and I'm a firm believer in that because I've done that for years. As a matter of fact. My 70-year-old father um, was a, a gym member at my location when I had it. When he came to me, he had a cane that he would use for walking. Um, his wife was actually giving him a hard time because she was saying he had the old man walk where he's, you know, slumped over a little bit. You know, we'd have a workout with like Olympic weightlifts in it. And you just, you know, as a coach, you got to realize for my 70-year-old dad, does he need to be able to like clean and jerk? No but can we get the similar movement patterns in there? Yeah. So we would just make those adjustments and scales to where he could do all the stuff and just realizing he can't run. So if there's a running or cardio element, maybe he jumps on the bike or the rower. You know, if there is these other elements that he can't physically do and doesn't really have the need to, let's look at the components of that. Is this a pull, a push? You know, what is this? And let's substitute something in there. And not all CrossFit coaches do this or do this to a high level but that was, that was my thing. There's a lot of CrossFit gyms out there that, that really have gone the route of like the CrossFit games where they tailor to the 1% because that's, that's flashy. And uh, we can all relate to that because when we watch sports, it is fun to look at the best and be like, man, I want to do what he's doing because that guy is a stud on the field. However, I wasn't born with those genes. Clearly, I'm not a six foot four Samoan dude. So I got to, you know, stay within my lane on things and just realizing 99% of humanity is not that star athlete. So I've always tried to tailor my coaching and the, the fitness training experience to the everyday person and just looking at the needs of the individual, what they're capable of doing, and just understanding of trying to give them exactly what they need at that point in time and trying to walk the line of, you know, just a little bit outside of the comfort zone, but not too much to where they're doing the John Wayne walk for like two weeks, cursing me like, darn you, Patrick, I dropped my keys and I still haven't been able to go to work. <laughs> I'm down the street as I go to work. Yeah, there you go. See so if I can jump so, over to, to, you know, how, how to get started, you, you, how you, when you got started, but say now we have a, a bunch of sports officials, say baseball officials, and particularly in California, who've been largely sitting around because there's been no sports to officiate. In fact, we use sports, California is still, we're to the end of January where they can say, we even think about maybe starting um, sports, which means for officials start officiating who've been sitting around not being on the field, not, not working out a lot. What do you recommend to kind of start out to try to get into shape? Because the last thing you wanna do is get on the field and halfway through the first game, you know, pull a hammy or I think part of that is realizing that um, you guys are actually power athletes. Um, when you think about the demands of what you need to do to officiate is short, intense bouts of speed and movement and just understanding, hey, if 
if you have a Ferrari and you set that Ferrari aside for nine, 10 months or longer, and you don't do anything with it, when you go to turn it on for the first time, yeah, it's got the power, but you know, you haven't changed the oil. You don't know how the, the brakes are going to be functioning. It's probably not the best idea to go out there and like, let's see how fast it can go zero to 60. So just starting off with some, some simple body weight movements around the house and just being able to move well through the ranges of motions is a huge deal. Just understanding it's more than just going for a run because a run in and of itself is really great for your cardio respiratory system, but you're not expressing full ranges of movements. Like when you guys have to run and stop and you know squat down and stand up, those are your movement patterns within your sport of officiating Doing, doing some basic body weight movements, some, uh, some air squats, some push-ups, some lunges, uh, practicing getting from the squat back up really quick. A really good one that I'm going to recommend and probably everybody's going to cringe is a burpee. <laughs> like, nobody loves the burpee, but it is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and just really kind of understanding where you're at and, um, and understanding your gears and just being in touch with your body and, and just getting a little bit of movement. If you've been stuck inside and you really you know been having a hard time with this thing and you haven't been physically active I would recommend setting a 10 minute timer and just very you know at a nice relaxed pace you know like let me go through a couple push-ups and just focus on the best form getting as low as you can a couple air squats after that again really good form getting nice and low maybe some lunges maybe do a plank or some core work um and just spending that 10 minutes just not necessarily trying to do as many reps or movements as possible, but just trying to do a couple of them, but doing them really well and just starting off there. And as you feel your body adapting to that. Oops, looks like we lost him again. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's saying um, more quality over quantity at that point. Just yeah. Them well. <clears throat> yeah, quality over quantity. And I don't know what happens, but I keep, my internet must be cutting out. Yeah. Um, it, it ends up being one of the things of learning, learning um, some body awareness and understanding where you're at with it and uh, constantly just riding the line. You don't want to go above and beyond because that's when you have an injury, you know, you pull a, a hamstring or something like that, but just getting some of those movement patterns back in, um, literally knocking off the rust from the door hinges and getting your body moving 10 minutes a day to start until you feel like, that that 10 minutes a day isn't making you feel beat up, but it's actually improving how you feel the next day, then you could add to that. Yeah, because some of us are doing a, not as much running and, and, and moving and starting and stopping like that as they normally do. So yeah, as I grab my back going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the back thing too, I just want to touch on this because this has been an issue for me with all the additional sitting that we've all been doing now addressing the low back stuff is huge. Part of that issue is tight hip flexors and quads. If you just essentially go on Google and you look for Dr. Kelly's Starrett, the couch stretch, that is a huge, excellent stretch for, for people to do, especially if you've been sitting a lot, to alleviate some of that, that uh, lower back pain and hip dysfunction. Um, and I have people do that all the time. It's it's amazing. And for you guys and what you do, that could be a huge, huge uh, win 
just being able to spend some time doing the couch stretch and then working on those basic body weight movements. Uh, that's a good idea. Thanks. I appreciate that. I'll look, I'll look that up and we'll put that in the show notes to that, the website too. One of the things I really appreciated uh, about Pat, I contacted him about a little over a year ago about uh, wanting to get back into shape. He asked me some questions that no other trainer had ever asked me before. I, you know, I told him why I wanted to get back into shape. I told him that my jaw was sedentary. So he understood that. And one of the things that shocked me uh, pleasantly was he asked me as an umpire, he asked me to send him a video of the type of movements that we do, how we go for you know, and I've told him, you know, we go from zero to hero and what like that. It's like, well, show me. And so I sent him a small video of just basically what we do on a daily basis, whether it's behind the plate, whether it's on the bases. And he custom tailored a workout program for me for my specific movements. And when, and when I was doing that, I was very successful. I was, uh, it was easier to move and whatnot like that. And it was extremely effective. So I don't think I've had any other trainer even ask me about, you know, the, the types of movements uh, that I did as an umpire. So I extremely uh, appreciated that. One thing I'd like to ask, the whole encompass, I think, of your life is, is, is to help people in one way, shape, or form. Uh, you could have gone the police officer route. That didn't happen uh, due to a bunch of different circumstances. And then you decided to do uh, a CrossFit type gym and open that. You think you would have had more of an impact on people had you become a police officer? Or do you think you've had more of an impact on people as an entrepreneur? That's a great question. Um, you know, if you would have asked me years ago, my answer would have been much different. But I still have a lot of friends in the law enforcement community and talking with them while they do get to have some really big impacts on, on people in their lives. Um, a lot of what they do day to day is not so much. Uh, it's a lot of essentially checking the boxes and, and essentially enforcing the law. So um, really kind of meeting people where they're at. I think I've had much more of an impact on people um, being able to help them out from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So for example, um, we've done, as a gym, we've done all sorts of events to help out the, the community for providing sleeping bags for some of the homeless when it was going into the winter season. Uh, and this is just something that I could decide to do as an entrepreneur, but as a police officer, you can't necessarily just decide to do these things. And if you do, it's very much, you know, just on you, but I was able to get a lot of the community involved. And I think we had over 300 sleeping bags we were able to, to give out. Um, I also organized a, a fundraiser for a young boy that had some sort of brain tumor. He loves Disneyland and superheroes. And he wanted to go to Disney. His parents wanted to take him to Disneyland one more time before his operation to remove it because there was a significant chance of it altering him uh, mentally to, to have that um, tumor removed. So they wanted one last opportunity to take him to Disneyland and for him to experience it with all of his faculties completely uh, intact. So as an entrepreneur, I was able to organize that where we had the mascots in action come out. So we had uh, 
people in uh in these big mascot outfits which were awesome you know one was dressed like spider-man which is that little boy's favorite uh hero so we had this whole whole event and i just turned it into you know a fun workout so people got to show up dressed as superheroes and do a fun workout and contribute to it and all the funds that we raised went directly um to that kid so they were able to go to disneyland and have that yeah we've just done so much it's it's allowed me the opportunity to meet so many people um, for a while, I was a mentor for my brother's keeper. So um, helping young boys that are, uh, you know, could they're, they're on the line, they could go either way, you know, they could take a good turn or a bad turn and being able to just, you know, be there and answer questions and talk to them like, hey, you know, you don't have to get a job working at McDonald's or something, you know, you can find an opportunity and you can create your own business from that. You could do these things. So I would say hands down being a, the impact that I've had on the community and people in general um, has been far more being an entrepreneur um, just because there's that freedom to have an idea and say, hey, you know what? I'm really passionate about this. Let's run 100 miles an hour in that direction and let's just do this thing as opposed to having to be part of the rank and file and ask for permission and plead your case and have everything bogged down with bureaucracy and then just hope you get you know, the one in a thousand call where you actually get to go like, you know, really truly save somebody and then hopefully impact them in a positive fashion. So can I jump back into, uh, you're more than just the crofters and the physical part, um, nutrition, that's gotta help. I think some of us haven't been eating the best through the holidays <laughs> and with the new year's resolutions, there's probably a better way to, uh, to think about nutrition than others. So do you have any suggestions for, for folks? Yeah, absolutely. Part of the thing that I've shifted to recently is remote diet coaching. So understanding for me, the biggest change to help me drop more than 100 pounds was not so much the amount of physical activity because you can't outrun a bad diet. So actually just working on the diet portion, the nutrition portion too, but a lot of people view this as like a restrictive or taking, taking away from you approach. What I've done recently is really just focus on like the human aspect of it because we're all so much more than just, you know, oh, I need to feel my body in a certain way. We have emotions. There's some days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to have that protein shake. I want, you know, whatever it ends up being. I'll tell you right now, I'm a huge fan of pie. I love all kinds of pie, not the math type of pie, but, you know, <laughs> the pumpkin and the apple type one, of pie. Five, one, two, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just understanding that, that that's not bad. You manage what you track. And as long as you can track it and make it, make it fit within the thing, um, you know, within your, your boundaries, it's still okay to be a human, to, to have that 80-20 mentality of 80% of the meals I try to make them as nourishing to my body as possible. But, you know, if Colin is like, do you want to go out and grab a burger? I'm going to be like, yes, let's go have a burger. So just not being so um, in the mindset of my diet has to be perfect because that will just add more stress on you and in addressing the fact that we're human beings. We're in the holidays right now. It's okay. You're not going to be perfect. This is not, you know, the one chance Cinderella gets to go to the ball. There's going to be holidays. There's going to be plenty of, birthdays and events and celebrations where we're going to have opportunities to have less than ideal foods but if you set yourself up for success and, and have a plan and just understand like hey 
not about perfect. The majority of the time, I'm going to do what I can to take care of my body and be kind to it by eating foods that nourish me um, and just making better choices, not the best all the time, but better choices the majority of the time, I can go ahead and have that birthday cake. Being that uh, obviously COVID has... Uh... There you go. Con- Colin's a little better at than I am. He said burger and I said pie, so... <laughs> we i'm a fan of both i'm a fan right. of both. <laughs> affected everybody uh, across the world um what kind of things have you had to adapt to continue on this path of uh helping people as i'm sure everybody has noticed i can't just give you the twitter answer i have to tell a story so uh, sure. i'll just jump right in yeah, I, I essentially started off in my backyard training people, and then I eventually moved up and moved up until I had a 1,600-square-foot uh, gym, you know, beautiful 20-foot ceilings and, you know, all that stuff, which is amazing. But, you know, COVID happened, uh, came out of nowhere, affected a lot of us, and unfortunately, I was not able to keep that facility. So, you know, uh, pivoting while I could do some remote coaching, whether it's personal training or diet coaching has been a huge thing. Also, understanding of where a lot of people are going or are being forced to go with this thing is not everybody could have an entire dumbbell rack. There are some things out there that pay off hugely that we can use that it's just very simple, like um, a kettlebell. So a lot of the transition I've had lately has been into kettlebell training and it's more than just the swings, but understanding that there's so many things you could do to improve your shoulder and elbow uh, health with a kettlebell. And, and it's not a large piece of equipment. It's very versatile. Um, you could take it anywhere. So I literally started a kettlebell class at a park. It just getting people out in the fresh air, getting them to move their bodies because at a, time for a global pandemic that affects our health. Our health is more important now than it has ever been for so many people. And it is important to keep moving, uh, not only for, for your mental and emotional well-being, but for your physical well-being. And the kettlebell was just a really great, simple, versatile piece of equipment. So a lot of my, my stuff now going forward involves kettlebell work just because it's, if you can get access to it, there's so much you could do with it. So instead of requiring you to have, you know, a barbell and a bike and a rower and, you know, wall balls and medicine balls, hey, grab a kettlebell, let's train. Barbells and a squat rack and, you know, and even getting access to that, like if you have a, an apartment gym or, you know, a 24 hour that you're going to, that may in fact be closed, but understanding that. And it makes a nice doorstop too. So. <laughs> Paperweight, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey Pat, could you send me um being that you have access to that kind of stuff, can you send me a link that we can put on uh on the show notes where people can buy kettlebells? Yeah, uh I'll shoot you a couple couple resources for that. Awesome. Excellent. So being that you've had to go virtual with your training uh and pretty much go online, what do you think that you can offer the umpiring community that not other trainers are doing absolutely you know we are rapidly approaching this computer ai model of everything and even more so in fitness you know there's so many 
programs out there that are just a template. You know, I think we even talked about this way back, you know, earlier in this conversation where it's, hey, you have access to all this stuff, but, you know, when you and I started working together, I wanted to know what your needs were, where you're at and see you move so I can give you the best possible outcome. And that's the human, the human touch. And having gone so virtual with the training, it's really been a stretch for all of us coaches to look beyond just sets and reps and actually develop more of a relationship um, with the individual itself. So I'm not trying to sign up 100,000 people. What I offer is the human side of things, the ability to actually coach you like a coach should, not just a trainer that's like, do this stuff and then let's just keep doing it. It's, hey, I want to know not only were you able to do the work, how did you feel? What's going on with you? What's coming up uh, in your week so we can game plan ahead and constantly make sure that you're making progress and just understanding the, the dynamic push and pull to this thing of I need to help you reach your goals, which is highly important to you and based upon you know some personal reasons and just kind of help you reach those and understanding that life is going to happen. There's going to be setbacks, but making sure that we're constantly moving in the right direction and understanding as a coach when we need to change directions momentarily. If you have um, you know, a large event coming up, you may not be able to get as much time into your training or have your undivided attention focus there. And that's, that's where I come in with the human touch of it. Like, okay, cool. Let's, let's look at the very basics, the keys um, that are going to get you the big spank for your buck. And what can we do? What can we do in those times? And it might even boil down to, okay, we'll get 15 minutes of movement today to do some yoga. I'm not so stuck in a, in a particular training modality as to looking at what's going to be best for each of my clients in that situation that they're currently in. So I think just the, the human touch and the, the personalization and the accountability and knowing that you're actually working with a human being and it's not just this, this top-down orders, you know, coming at you. It's more of a discussion. Hey, what do you want to do? How are you feeling? What can we get done today? How'd last week go for you? What should we do this week? That's a much, much better way to go than I remember from the weight rooms of my youth. They're just the poster on the wall of... <laughs> this yeah. bench press then you go to this then you go to the leg lift and then you yeah, <laughs> but yeah follow, no, the no. Circuit. follow the circuit right yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely amen to that thank goodness you've come that far i i did want to jump in one of our listeners did send in a question and and, and uh i'd like to ask along it's, it's an interesting one um his name is pat h and he's from st louis and he goes Typically, he does two games on an evening, Monday through Thursday, um, and he works eight to 12 games on the weekends from April through August. Um, he says he's 54 years old, um, thinks he's in decent shape, but he wants to know how to fight cramps and fatigue, especially when the weather gets really hot. Okay, we're asking January, but it does get hot, especially in St. Louis, and I'm, I'm surprised he didn't ask hot and humid. Well, first of all, what's up, Pat, from St. Louis? The cramps really ends up being a hydration issue in a lot of cases. So having some sort of electrolyte imbalance, my first instinct would be to figure out how much water you're drinking a day and understanding too, uh, especially doing so many games on the weekend, 
just getting more water isn't necessarily going to be the complete answer to that. So looking to add some electrolytes into that water to actually help your body get more from the water is probably going to go a long way in helping him not have so many cramps and everything. Um, again, we're all humans and we're all individual with our biology. So for him, it's going to be a process of figuring out exactly what he needs to get away with um, as far as how many bottles of water and the electrolytes. What I would generally recommend is um, looking into an electrolyte without a lot of sugar. One that I personally use is called Noon, N-U-U-N. There's these little tablets, you just pop them in uh, a little water bottle and you're good to go. They, the grape flavor is delicious, by the way. That's my own personal, uh, personal take on it. <laughs> and I would say, you know, depending upon how much he's sweating for that first game, have one, see how he feels the next, uh, the next game. And he's just going to kind of have to, to go through it like that. That would be huge. But also just building up a little bit of muscular endurance might actually help as well. So literally spending some time on an exercise bike just to, you know, at a low intensity, just to have the muscles constantly firing and, and getting in that pattern and getting used to the, um, the energy pathways and making sure his body can process the, uh, the additional uh, electrolytes and everything would be my next route to go. So hydration, get some electrolytes in there, and then get a little bit of low intensity, longer endurance type training sessions in when you can, if you can. Okay, no, that's good advice. Um, I've also heard, and, and I try to do this, um, if I have a, a weekend series or say even uh, usually a game or a double header in the summer here in the Valley, and that as you know, in the Valley, being a Valley boy, triple digit numbers are not, are not too rare. Start hydrating at least a day or two before, just because if you're drinking, now I feel thirsty and, it, and it's you know middle of game two, that's probably too late. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. So I'm gonna talk about pee, all right? Because yeah. uh, it goes into hydration. So like you said, you don't wanna to wait till you actually feel thirsty before you start trying to hydrate because at that point it's technically too late. Um, you're, you're already so far behind the curve on it that you might overindulge in water and become waterlogged in, in the whole thing. Day-to-day -day during the week, not the first morning urination, but all the subsequent ones, it should be like a pale yellow. If it's completely clear, too much water. If it's uh, a very vibrant color, then not enough water. So again, learning where you're at individually and just trying to make it like a, a very pale yellow is ideal. And that will tell you a lot about your hydration status and that you're pretty much within the sweet range for that. And if you just keep that up, as you go into the games, you should be moving and feeling a lot better. Oh, that, that makes sense. Um, and Pat also asks, is there things to eat between games? If he's doing eight, 12 games on a weekend, then um, that's you know four to six a day doesn't have a whole lot of time between games. It's something he can eat to try to help that besides a Noom tablet and some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essentially looking at his question from, from an athletic standpoint, like that's, that's really challenging. He's essentially asking, how do I fuel between competitions while I need to have something that absorbs pretty quickly so I'm able to still function, but at the same time, it can't be such a heavy meal to where you can't go out and perform. I want to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So looking at things like um, something that I I would do when uh, when I compete is like a protein shake and then a piece of fruit. It's very light. Um, also, depending upon how he is with gluten and, and all that stuff, essentially like a bagel and some peanut butter is a nice kind of like lighter way to to get some intra competition fueling going on. Uh, but essentially, you just want to keep it light. You want to look for uh, an easy to digest source of protein and carbohydrates, something that's going to get into the body pretty quickly. The protein shakes are great for that. However, they don't leave you feeling full. So you do like a protein shake and some fruit generally absorbs pretty fast and you have the stuff in your body to keep you going, but you might get really hungry. So mixing that up, you know, I, I never like to move intensely on an empty stomach or on a full stomach. I'm sorry. English is challenging for me at some points. Figuring out that line, for me, what has worked, especially doing um, like relay races and stuff like that is, like I said, uh, a bagel with some peanut butter. Um, goes a long way. It gets in there pretty fast. You've got some protein, carbs, and fats that can get into the system. And most importantly, from the bagel, you get a little bit of fiber, which makes you feel full a little bit longer. So kind of looking into that stuff, but essentially have to play with it. And if you think about it, I, I don't know if he has kids or not, but a lot of times parents, when they have kids, it's like, hey, understanding what is going to be the most benign source of food you can get them to eat regularly. And a lot of times, you know, kids like to eat things like chicken and, you know, very plain stuff you don't necessarily have, especially younger kids being like, I want the combo pizza with extra pineapples. They're just like, cheese pizza or pepperoni, you know, something very similar. And if you kind of think about that as I'm asking a lot of my body, a lot of movement, and then on top, I'm going to ask it to digest the stuff. So looking at chicken or turkey uh, is generally pretty easy to handle and digest. So looking at it in that sense, uh, fruits all are pretty easy to digest. Most of us handle that really well. Um, don't order like the 72 ounce ribeye and the potatoes and try to jam on that. That would be, <laughs> that would be delicious, but bad. That'd be a rough go. Yeah. My standby is, is PB and J. Um, mm -hmm. That and it doesn't need a whole lot of refrigeration. So that's, that's one help. And, and yeah, banana always with, with the potassium, but yeah, I'm a big fan of that one myself. I have heard some, and it, and it actually worked um, working football games, going with the crew for a meal after the game. One time, one guy ordered a bowl of dill pickles. <laughs> and just share, table to share saying the brine from the pickle juice and, and i thought for sure i would cramp it was a, the first first game of the games of the year it was a doubleheader you know jv varsity doubleheader um i was working at wings and a back judge so i was running for two straight games and I'm, i was just dreading the cramps the next day seemed to do the trick but... it, as funny as that sounds there's a lot of uh actual science behind that uh with the pickles is generally you're going to get like a lot of the the salts in there that you need and salt is an electrolyte so that could have been a huge saving grace for you yeah i'm not sure if the adult beverage or two helped either but um <laughs> <clears throat> well maybe not physically but emotionally i'm sure it helped i did help yeah because uh it wasn't the only thing i did but it was like one more thing on top that oh surprised me that hey my legs felt pretty good the next day so, uh, Pat, just a couple more questions, and we sure appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and talk to us uh, about this. It's an extremely important uh, subject that I don't think it gets talked about enough. Are you currently uh, like reading any books or listening to any podcasts? 
from a leadership standpoint and just or to help yourself personally? Uh, yeah, I, I am. During, during this, uh, this global lockdown, I've taken a lot of time to, to work on myself and put myself in a better position. The first thing I'm going to throw out is not really a book, but it's a, uh, it's a course and it's called the Compassion Course. It literally runs the entire length of the year. Um, each week you get this email with this concept and essentially it all boils down to understanding that everything we do as humans boils down to some very basic human needs that we all share regardless of culture or region of the earth that we're from and being able to recognize those needs and understand that the things we do and say are all an attempt to meet those needs and to be aware of that has been huge. It has just helped me through so many different aspects of this this year from personal to business and just being a better coach is to be able to understand and recognize and identify these needs in individuals and myself and then find ways to address that. That has been huge, but I brought a, uh, a couple examples with me. So um, first one, is maxims of manhood 100 rules every real man must live by uh it's it's kind of cheeky but it's just uh it's one of those things that we've been in the society of you know toxic masculinity and and all that sort of stuff and i really do feel like there is a, a feminine and a masculine energy but a lot of us guys it's hard to go and find resources to learn how to properly channel and deal with these masculine energies. And this book just kind of has um, a, a sense of humor about stuff like uh, tipping and just kind of changing how you view tipping. So for example, one of the things in the book is like, hey, as a guy, you should tip because these, these people in the service are providing a service for you. And generally they don't, you know, a lot of uh, the traditional like waitressing gigs, uh, they pretty much rely on these tips, but they kind of take a spin and they, they tell you what the maximum is, how it applies. And their point was when you go to like Burger King and you see the tip dog, a lot of people are like, what the heck is this? That's ridiculous. You know, I'm not going to go to Burger King and tip this person just for, you know, handing me my, my sack of fast food. But if I go to a bar and I order a beer that costs the same as, as that food, I'll tip the bartender. Why is that? It's the same cost. I can, I can pour myself a beer just like I can make myself a burger. So just kind of, this is, this is a book for really just kind of getting a little bit of the uh, different views on things and just kind of understanding the positive ways to express that, that masculine energy. So dig this one. The next book that I'm looking forward to getting into is Motivational Interviewing for Nutrition and Fitness. And again, kind of along the lines of the compassion project, really getting to the why behind people do things because we're all motivated internally by meeting these needs, being better at understanding what people are actually saying and why they're saying it and getting to the bottom of what's really driving them, what's the motivating factor can only help you in life, whether it's getting what you want or helping others get what they want being able to, to ask the right questions and to understand the why gets people there, which is a lot of, you know, what we did when I first started working with you was asking why, why do you want to do these things? Because right. when the road gets tough, being able to go back to that why and understanding is the real key to whether you stop 
before you push push forward. And then uh, last, just for my own uh, mental health, big comic fan. So uh, this book is uh, Farmhand by, I'm not going to say his name because I'll mess it up, but uh, this book is Bananas. Comics kind of give me a little bit of a break from all the reading to, to learn stuff. So that's important to fuel yourself, not just, you know, with movement and food properly, but also the emotional, mental aspect of it. So this is my little break. And this, this one is crazy. It's literally, there's like some voodoo magic happening. And this guy basically figures out a way to grow human body parts. But then the body parts start going crazy and doing things so <laughs> it is bananas it's bananas so are you a dc or marvel guy i would have to say more marvel uh but it really boils down to are the characters are the superheroes broken enough if they're too perfect i can't i can't get behind them and who's your fave that's such a loaded question uh i would have to say Deadpool is my spirit animal. Heck yeah. Right on. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Right there. Uh, the, only, the last question uh, that I had for you is to wrap up the show. Is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you would have liked to uh, have me ask you? My answer is kind of hilarious thing as I recommended a book about uh, asking questions is I am a terrible question asker. <laughs> so I see thought how, about see this. how we did that. See how we did that. <laughs> you guys, yeah. <laughs> you guys are ninjas at this. No, uh I'm always the guy that's like, hey, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, I don't. And then two hours later, I'm like, oh, I should have asked that. So at at the top of my head, I just I really thought you guys had some great questions and uh and just enjoyed this time uh, getting able to, to talk to you and, and all the listeners out there. And Yeah, Pat, thank you very much. We appreciate your time and, and your, your joining us today. A lot of good information. And uh, we'll put that in. S- send us the, the book titles again and authors. Just send it to us offline and we'll add them to the show notes if people are interested. Um, there are some good things there. I think that maybe someone might pick something up. So, you know, for <laughs> anybody that's, that's interested, if you want to know more or you have, you know, other fitness related questions, diet related questions, um, I generally offer this to everybody as like a, a free, free, essentially Zoom call where we have a, a chance to communicate. Um, and then that way, you know, I can kind of help guide people in the right direction, whether that is using my services or somebody else. It's always a good starting place and that's completely free and they can literally book that off of my Instagram or Facebook page. Great. And where can people find you online? Uh, so it would be Max Athletic, M-A-X Athletic on Instagram on a, and on Facebook. Excellent. And those links will be attached to our show notes for sure. Right. For sure. For sure. And can you get there from your regular website too? Uh, yes, you should be Max able to. Okay. Is it, I think down the section is something like a free consultation or something. Click yeah, there. yep. Yeah, okay. there's that. There's uh, links to the, the social medias from there as well, I believe. Well, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time today. We sincerely appreciate it, man. I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Pat. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Pat. Take care. You too. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's been a, another edition 
of the Strike Three podcast. We actually had a just a great time. Thank you so much uh, for listening and retuning in. And it's going to be a great year. Uh, Eric, can you tell the uh, listeners what we have on the horizon? On the horizon, we, we have staying with this getting ready. We have uh, Dr. Douglas Ramos, who works with a couple of the uh, Division One conferences and, and the NCAA um, for, for uh, some more health, health tips. And we have some things working about, you know, the umpire's mind. What's the mental side of, of the game for us? Um, we're the third team out there and make sure that we can stay on top of our game and we'll kind of pursue on that. Fantastic. It's going to be a great, great year, I think, in hopes that uh, as time moves on, things <laughs> drift to a little bit more of normalcy. Amen to that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for another edition of The Strike. Three podcast podcast <laughs> <laughs> see you later everybody bye everybody thanks thank you for listening to this episode of strike three podcast we want to thank our special guest today patrick mackinich for joining us and sharing his insights regarding umpire physical fitness and nutrition getting and staying fit is a year-round process and mindset we appreciate pat's suggestions in helping us achieve peak physical form we want you all to be physically able to help achieve the success on the field that you want Remember, every year we get another year older, but the athletes stay the same age. So speaking for us at Strike 3 Podcast, we want you all to look like you belong on the field with the other athletes. Please be sure to check the show notes for more information from Patrick, including how to obtain a free virtual consultation with Pat. Please join us on our next episodes as we continue to explore the mental and physical side of officiating. Our upcoming episode, we're going to meet with Dr. Douglas Ramos, the NC2A College World Series Tournament physician, who also serves on numerous NCAA committees regarding student-athlete health and safety. Happy New Year, everybody, from Strike 3 Podcast, your source for taking your umpiring to the next level. Oh, before you go, like all good sports officials, we value the importance of feedback. Please rate our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get this podcast. Your rating will help us improve and assist others in finding the Strike 3 podcast. Or please feel free to email us at feedback at strike3podcast.com. That is feedback at strike, the number three, podcast.com. Thanks for listening.